I hope everyone can see well and the, the lights that are left on will not bother you. I have a simple study tonight that the Lord convicted me about bringing to you on the way home for a number of factors, and I'll not take the time now nor distract you by explaining those factors, but I would like us to consider a simple study and just ask ourselves how mature we are as Christians. God has bestowed His grace upon us for the purpose that we would grow in that grace. And when we don't grow in His grace, then it's a disgrace. Because He has put upon us the power and given us the presence of His Holy Spirit that we should be able to live and prosper and grow in our knowledge and in our conduct as Christians from month to month, from year to year, and over the decades of a life. And let's just ask ourselves tonight if we are growing as Christians as measured by our conduct and our spirit and actions. If we're more and more looking like the Lord Jesus Christ as the Bible describes Him. Grow up. That's what the Bible tells us to do. It doesn't use the word maturity. We use that word. We're going to define it here in just a moment. But the Bible does tell us to grow. Now, you might be a baby Christian, but the Lord doesn't want you to be a baby Christian. You can only be a baby Christian at the time you're converted. After that, you are supposed to be growing up. And we don't want to be babes. The Lord Jesus Himself, the Apostle Paul, on several places, rebuked the Corinthian church for being babes, rebuked the Hebrews in the book of Hebrews, for being babes, when they ought to have been teachers, they were still in need of being taught themselves. And it was a shame. Or a mature adult. And we've used Jack Welch, the former CEO of General Electric, to show a mature adult. Or you can be a teenager who doesn't really have much more of a clue than the infant. And I'm sorry, teenagers, but once you're 30 and you look back at yourself at 16, you're going to have a very different opinion of yourself than you did at 16. And, and when you're 40, you look back at being 30 and you have a very different opinion as well. And we've got to ask ourselves, are, am I a baby Christian? Am I a mature adult Christian? Or am I somewhere in the middle like a teenager? How mature are you? It has nothing to do with your appearance. You may look very mature. You may be prematurely aged, but that doesn't make you a mature Christian. It has nothing to do with your position, whether in the church or in society or business. It has nothing to do with what you think of you. Maturity is your actual conduct and the reputation you have with others. It has little to do with age. When you think about Job and his three friends that were very old men and very aged, they showed themselves not to be very mature in their analysis and application of Job's situation to him. But there was a young man there, Elihu, who was the most mature of all of them. And so it's not a function of age. It's a function of growth in grace. And growth in grace is submitting ourselves to the Bible and learning to think, speak, and act the way the Bible does. And so that's what we're going to cover in just a few minutes tonight. It has everything to do with your actions. What is maturity? The maturity of a thing is it reaching its full development by growing. A thing matures, fruit matures, when it becomes ripe enough for us to eat and enjoy all that God intended by that particular piece of fruit. A child, that little infant that we looked at a few slides ago, grows into a child, and then pre-adolescent, adolescent teenager, and finally a young adult at some point. It's the powers of body and mind being fully developed. That's maturity. When your abilities have reached their full potential. The personal qualities are fully developed or ripened for you to use. It's the state of being complete, perfect, or ready. So that's maturity. It's having your abilities and powers and qualities as a Christian fully developed, ready to use them. You're complete and perfect. Perfect in the sense of fully developed and able to do 
anything and everything God expects of us. What is Christian maturity? This slide will be in here several times because I want you to grasp what Christian maturity is. It is the self-discipline to rule spirit and resist lust. A baby does not have this. A baby does not have any self-discipline at all. We arrived with zero. And by God's grace and by ordinary human maturation, we're supposed to reach a place where we can practice some self-discipline to rule our spirit so that the passions of our spirit don't overwhelm us, either on the downside or the upside, either in anger or in fear. It's knowledge. Maturation or coming to maturity requires a knowledge of truth for yourself and for others. It's wisdom. Remember, wisdom is the power of right living, right choices. The power of right action. And so wisdom is to do what is right in any situation. And that's what we want to reach, is knowing what God would want us to do in a given situation. Patience is part of Christian maturity. And the Bible actually says that you're not perfect until you're patient. And when you are patient, you are perfect. Because patience is the cheerful endurance of negative events in your life. It's more of a negative aspect of maturity than a positive one, but it's a very useful one. And then the responsibility. Maturity is the sense and commitment of responsibility to consider and act on the behalf of others instead of just yourself. And so these are just a few little guidelines of what Christian maturity involves as we look at some Bible verses to fill these out. This is Christian maturity, us growing as Christians so that we are the full-orbed, full-abled, full-empowered Christians that we ought to be. Christian maturity is to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus lived 33 and a half years in this world, and the Bible describes some of that life, and we are to match that life in the way that we live as Paul defines for us how Jesus did live. So Christian maturity in this particular way that we're going to define it is being conformed to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what the Bible tells us about Jesus right after he turned 12. When his parents lost him in the crowd on the way back from Jerusalem and they had to return and a couple days later they found him answering and asking questions of the doctors of the law in the temple. And then it tells us this right here. Jesus increased. That's what we want. We do not want to stagnate. We do not want to sit still. If you're sitting still, you're not fulfilling what God has designed for you in your life about being a Christian. He wants us to be growing and getting better and getting stronger and enhancing our Christian abilities and fruit bearing in our lives. But Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. When it says wisdom and stature, it means the ordinary human wisdom of a five-year-old not knowing his times tables. And by the age of seven or eight, he should know those times tables. That kind of ordinary wisdom, human wisdom, natural wisdom, ordinary wisdom, and stature being the development of our Lord's physical body. But then it also says that Jesus grew or increased in favor with God and man. And that's the spiritual maturity that's pleasing to God and men. He took the wisdom and he took the stature. A five-year-old is not able to move around and travel like the Lord could. It, he stayed behind at the age of 12 and then at the age of 30. But he, he used those abilities that developed with his human progress in his human nature to please God and men because he matured spiritually and he used those abilities wisely and right. We want to be like this. This is a wonderful verse. This is a wonderful verse for parents to aim in the training of their children to be like the Lord Jesus Christ, not only to feed them so that their bodies grow, not only to send them to school so that they academically accomplish a, a scope and sequence of an educational protocol, but so that they learn how to use that body 
and that intelligence to please God and men by being wise and righteous. Maturity is our goal. The Bible that's given to us, pastors, the church, and parents are to help you grow up to be a mature Christian. Many Christians live and die as children in the sight of God and good men. And that's a disgrace of grace. Most Christians do not realize their full potential that God equipped them for. They don't apply themselves. They don't use the grace. The Apostle Paul would warn churches in the New Testament of failing of the grace of God. And we don't want to do that. We want to press on. Are you growing to maturity? Are you using your physical abilities and your intellectual abilities to grow in wisdom and righteousness so that you're pleasing God and good men more and more on a on an annual basis or on a decade basis if you need a longer time frame in order to compare yourself to a baseline? If you go to a doctor and tell him that you may have a problem, he is going to establish a baseline so that he can measure your progress from that baseline in all sorts of different symptomatic problems that can develop physically. Well, we want to to remember our baseline, and this is a high standard, that we're progressing. We do not want the Lord to look at us that He poured out His grace upon us and gave us His Spirit and gave us His Word, and we've just kind of sat on the the privilege. You know, the Lord does talk about a man that had a talent, and he went and buried that talent in the earth, and when the Lord came looking for a return... He said, well, I don't have any return, but I can give you the talent that you gave me. And the Lord took away his talent and gave it to the man that had ten. Do you remember? In God's economy, and I'm not speaking about money or finances or economics, but in God's economy of spiritual blessings, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. If you don't use what God gives you, you're going to lose it. And if you use what God gives you, He's going to give you more. It's a wonderful relationship with our Father in heaven? Are you an adult Christian in the sight of God? Does God consider you a mature adult? Or does He see childish thoughts, childish words, childish conduct, maybe at home, maybe when you're alone? Lord, help us to grow up spiritually. It's our goal. Brothers and sisters, your personal goal should be the most mature Christian possible for God and for others. You want to love God and love others. You want to serve God and serve others. And you do that by fully utilizing and developing and ripening all that He's given you in powers and abilities and qualities by His saving grace and your natural disposition, temperament, intellect, and the other things that make up your ordinary development. We want to take the ordinary, combine it with the spiritual blessings, and result in a mature adult Christian. Our goal as a church should be the most mature Christians possible for a testimony to all of God's grace in our lives and for the benefit of all. As as I told you, I'm I'm not telling you the factors that convicted me in a 36-hour transportation odyssey from... Penang, Malaysia, back to Greenville, South Carolina. But I'm very convicted about this, and I, and I hope that you'll just apply yourself for a few minutes to, to be asking yourself and asking the Lord to help you examine yourself. Have I been progressing? Have I been growing? Am I more spiritually in tune with the Lord Jesus Christ? Has, has my power of right judgment or the, my wisdom increased? Those are the questions we have to ask and we have to answer. What is it? Here's that slide again. It's the self-discipline to rule your spirit and resist the lusts of your flesh and mind. It is the knowledge, acquired knowledge of truth for your own benefit and for those around you. It's the wisdom of right judgment to know what to do in any situation. It's the patience to joyfully endure temptations or trials in your life. And it's the responsibility, it's the duty that you're going to step forward and do what is necessary to help others. Maturity is a very real fact. Look at this Bible verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
<clears throat> Eric has a similar cough, and we believe it's from 36 hours of doctored air in those airplanes. It may be from preaching 22 hours as well. When I was a child, this is maturity. This is the Bible's definition. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child because I was a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. There is a change. There is development. There is ripening. There is progress from a child to a man. And the Bible describes it. Now here in 1 Corinthians 13, the apostle is only using it for a metaphor of the natural progress of the human development. But there it is. That's maturity. And it's a very real fact that a child is one kind of a person and a man is a different kind of a person. And the distance between the two of them depends on how well you apply yourself. You know, we've, we've said to ourselves and to others that we've met some adults in their, in time that never really grew up. Because the distance between being a child and being a man isn't very far apart. We want to stretch them apart. We want to be men or women and not children. How can I measure my maturity? It is not what you think of yourself. The immature often think they are mature because they don't have mature analysis abilities. The mature often think they are immature. So we, we don't really ask ourselves, am I a mature Christian? What matters is, does God see me as a mature Christian? And do others see me as a mature Christian? And that's, that's the better answer. It's far more objective to ask someone else, especially those that know you best, than to ask yourself. How esteemed are you by all family members? They're the ones that know you best. Your family gets to see you in ways that others do not. And so we want to measure their opinion. And we want to see how they perceive our speech and action. Is it childish or is it mature? Do all godly persons love and esteem you? So remember, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. It doesn't say anything about growing in favor with himself. We don't really care about the self-esteem movement. That is a heresy as measured by the Bible. We, we want to grow in the esteem of others and we want to grow in the esteem of God. How can I measure my maturity? It is not what you think of yourself. Mature men or women will be openly exalted. When we meet a truly mature Christian, they will be elevated. The cream rises to the top in all aspects of life, but it does in the church of God as well. Remember, that Paul would write Titus and say that a qualification for the ministry is to be a lover of good men. So therefore, from that little statement, we can conclude that good men are visible and that other good men are going to love them in a way that they don't love ordinary men. From Titus chapter 1 and verse 8. Family sees the real you. What do they think of you? Of course... Scripture is the acid test of maturity, and that is how well we conduct ourselves in the light of the pages of the Bible. But it's it's others that can objectively judge you. So I don't want you to take this study and quickly check it off saying, I don't need this because I'm a mature Christian. Well, that's in the judgment of God and others, and the criteria that we measure by is the Bible. And we make it objective by letting others view us in light of what the Bible says rather than ourselves. We aim for being the the most mature that we can be, but we don't cut off the self-examination process just because we check the box and say, I'm a mature Christian. Well, likely by talking that way about yourself, you're not. Because part of Christian maturity is the humility to know that you know nothing as you ought to know it. First right. Corinthians chapter 8, and there's other verses as well. How can I measure it? Average your biological and Christian ages. 
This is not deep math. It's averaging two numbers. A 60-year-old man converted 20 years is 40 in this little way of thinking about it. Does this 60-year-old man who has been taught the Bible for 20 years, does he act, is he a rock solid 40-year-old in his Christian conduct? Does he perform his Christian duties in a serious, committed, mature, 40-year-old mature way? Or is he like a 14-year-old in some things? Here we go. You know, we want to ask ourselves, Lord, how many ways do I act like a 14-year-old instead of the 40-year-old that I should be? Elihu was 60 years mature. I've made up these numbers. They're not in the Bible. Elihu was 60 years mature at the age of 30 because he was a young man and didn't feel he could even speak in the presence of Joe, Bill, Daddy, Lithaz, and Zophar, and yet he was more mature than those aged men. This is just a little lesson for you to think. Now, if you're, if you're 20 years old and you've only heard the gospel for two years of your life, then that's going to be an 11-year-old. So you think about what an 11-year-old is capable of and what they're not capable of and compare that to being a Christian man and you realize that we would give that person a lot of leeway. We would understand that that is a, a, that's a, that's a young child. That's an 11-year-old. That's a preteen when it comes to being a Christian man. It's just a little measuring device to make you think about your biological age. Because remember, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. Biological age. He increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men, true Christian maturity. We want to think of both of those. You know, and some of us, by God's mercy and grace, that were abundantly privileged to have wisdom taught to us from the womb, you know, our average chronal, our average biological age and average spiritual age are going to be the same number almost. And, and we're held to a very high standard. Do I, do I act like a 54 year old Christian man all the time? Or are there 14 year old and 24 year old times that pop in? We want, we want a war against those so that we're men. Maturity is our goal. Ephesians chapter four says, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Notice the highlighted words in purple. I hope it's clear to you in the back. Unto a perfect man. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Notice, this is talking about human development. But it is more than just bare human development in Ephesians chapter 4. It is spiritual development until we measure up to the stature of the fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ. A perfect man. That is our goal right there. And that's the purpose for the ministry. This chapter, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8 down through 16, describes the role that the ministry has in your life and then the role that we have in each other's lives. That we henceforth be no more children. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Notice, no more children, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into Him in all things. Are you growing up into Christ in all things so that you're not a child in any aspect of what God made an adult capable of doing, especially one imbued with His grace by the power of the Holy Spirit? There is our goal. God commands it. Watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. There's a commandment. Here's another commandment. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is our desire as Christians, is to please Him more and more till we meet Him and He says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Wise men grow. Look at these verses from Proverbs. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. He's going to advance 
until he's able to attain to wise counsel. He can give it, he can hear it and understand it, and he can give it and help others as well. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. Hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. Many Christians do not advance. They have some salvation experience. They become, they get baptized. They become members of the church, but they don't really advance in all the ways the Lord wants us to advance in knowledge and fruitfulness and wisdom, in righteousness, in responsibility, in service to others. And it's a shame. And we don't want to be like that. And you know, if we're all honest, we know that we've had times in our own lives where we didn't advance like we should have. And my whole point right now is that tonight and tomorrow and the next day will be different. We want to advance. You must advance. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again. Paul was ashamed of the Hebrews for their ignorance, which hindered him in writing the epistle to the Hebrews because he would have gone on more quickly and laid some serious truth on them about the shadows and types and fulfillment of the Old Testament. And he did go on and lay Melchizedek on them, and it's some pretty deep reasoning there in Hebrews chapter 7. But notice, he was ashamed of those Hebrews. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. He's got to use milk. He can't have meat. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised, to discern both good and evil. Notice the terminology here that describes maturation. You cannot rest. Paul said this, I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. That's developing even further and even further. You know, a a senior high school football player is going to be expected to do things that were never asked of a freshman. And the Apostle Paul is the same in requiring of the Thessalonians and and the Philippians in this particular case, that they would grow more and more, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. How do we get to the place where we are without offense? It's by growth and maturation. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, under the glory and praise of God. That is a wonderful sentence in Philippians chapter 1. But it starts out with, their love abounding more and more. You can't rest, brethren. We've got to press on. We want to grow up in the Lord Jesus Christ. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. How the apostle had taught these Thessalonians to walk and to please God, he wanted them to do it more and more. We grow by putting some things away and feeding ourselves on another thing. Wherefore, here's the putting away, laying aside, put these things out of your life, all malice, evil intentions toward another person, all guile, all dishonesty. We want to be transparent Christians and hypocrisies, any inconsistencies and envies, resentment of others, begrudging others and all evil speakings. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. There's growth, and we're told how. It's laying some things aside, and it's desiring the sincere milk of Holy Scripture. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. God has graciously imbued us with His Spirit and saved us, and if we've tasted that, we should want to grow and be all that we can be for Him. Again, It's the self-discipline to rule your spirit. It's the knowledge of truth. It's wisdom to do what is right. It's patience to joyfully endure. And it's responsibility to take up your duty to consider and to serve others. Are you a troublemaker or a peacemaker? I'm asking you about your maturity. Do you cause fusses like a child or a teenager? Or do you work hard to put everyone at peace? That's what a mature Christian does. Because God loves peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Immaturity causes some to be busybodies. Maturity leads others to build up the body. Two different functions and results 
of either the immature person or the mature person, and I'm referring to Christians. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, the Apostle Paul said, See, you're still carnal. You're babes because of the striving, fighting, contentions that were going on in that church. Simple question. Are you a peacemaker or a troublemaker? Do you love causing fusses or do you love solving fusses? Matters of liberty. Do you love the wide freedom God gave us? Or do you like to advertise your opinions? Grown Christians gladly allow others liberties because they've grown up. They're not still playing in the sandbox and saying, if you don't play, if you don't let me play with your truck or you don't do it my way, you can't play in my sandbox. They know God does not care about matters of liberty and they love other people. So they allow them their liberties. You should be able to figure out just a little tiny bit that I'm provoked. And it's a shame that some people can't grow up. That they have their little pet peeves and their little preferences that God doesn't give a rip about. And yet they want to advertise them and impress them on others. And they want to rebuke others. And all it does is create division, strife, trouble, and break up a church so that it can't be as tight and unified as it could be and should be. Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians 8 and 1 Corinthians 10 describe it. What about your feelings? How mature are you when it comes to feelings? Do feelings, moods, thoughts often rule you? Or do you rule your feelings, thoughts, and moods? Growing up means feelings and moods are silly. Because your feelings are not much of reality. They're illusionary. They're delusional. There's reality in the Bible. There's reality all around you. But what's going on inside you is just a mess sometimes. And you've got to overrule it. A child doesn't overrule it. It comes out immediately. But we've got to, brethren. You know, and I'm quickly going through some of these measures of maturity. We all, we all have to face each one of them and ask, am I mature by that question? Only children get overwhelmed by feelings and moods. A man that can't rule his spirit is like a city with the walls broken down. Now, are you a baby Christian? Or can you manage your feelings and your moods? Poor little guy. Do you see big or small? Here's another question. Growing up, the older you get and the more mature you are, you see the big picture rather than the small picture. Growing up allows for lots of imperfection. Because nothing that's done in this world is ever perfect. And the older you get, you realize that, and you say, as long as we've got this target here and this goal, and as long as the overall end was achieved, the fact that there were a couple mistakes made in there, like every sermon I've ever preached, you know, I'm going to overlook that. The overall goal or intent trumps the details. But the childish will pick on a single word. And the Bible knows these people. The Bible identifies them and describes them in Isaiah 29, 20, and 21 where it says they'll make a man an offender for a word. It's so discouraging to preach an hour, two hours, three hours about the Lord Jesus Christ, about the truth of the Bible, and have somebody come up and pick on one word. Do you know how many words come out of my mouth in three hours of preaching at a pretty high rate of speed? It blows my mind. I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand where if they have any wire nuts upstairs at all that that would even happen. Of course I'm going to make a mistake. Of course I'm going to say things that could have been, that could have been said better. Why do you think I spend 48 hours after preaching, groaning to myself and out loud, pounding steering wheels, pounding pillows, because I wish I would have said it better. I wish I was, I wish I could preach perfectly, but maturity gets to the place where you allow that. You allow it. Because you know that the overall message was according to the Word of God. You know, they'll pick on a single word, though they couldn't teach for a million bucks. I'd love to reverse the roles, and I'd sit there and do the listening and see if I could find something to criticize. Moats or beams. These are Bible comparisons. The one I just gave you was Isaiah 29. Moats or beams is Matthew chapter 7. Immature Christians look for others' moats. Though they have beams blocking their vision. Jesus described it, Matthew 7, 1 through 5. They will fault you and others for just about nothing while full of dysfunction visible to all. Amazing. Jesus saw it. 
didn't understand it. He said, first of all, get that beam out of your eye so that you can operate carefully on the moat that you see in your brother's eye. Are you a moat or a beam, Christian? If you're a moat, Christian, you're immature. You're worrying about someone else's moats rather than your own beams. Do you care more for the group or for yourself? This is maturity, Christian maturity. Do you value the group over your interests? The Bible says, submit yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. Like family, that's a group, or church, that's a group, or the youth group, that's a group. Mature Christians sacrifice their own personal preferences for the group. Immature ones honor themselves instead. Well, if they're not going to do this, then I don't want to be part of them. That's just immaturity. That's a little temper tantrum by a child. And that's what we don't want. That's what we want to get rid of. That's what I've seen a little bit of recently. You want to see a mature adult? We don't know whether he was a Christian or not. We don't know whether he was one of God's elect or not. We don't know how much of the gospel he truly believed. But I'll tell you, that man right there on that screen was one mature adult by every other measure. One of the greatest men in the history of our country. You need to read a little bit about him if you want to read about a great man. Right there. I'm not using him as an example of a Christian. I'm using him as an example of a mature adult. Wouldn't it be nice if we could take the the concept of George Washington and combine it with the concept of being a Christian and say, Lord, by your grace, I would like to be a George Washington Christian. Because at least we know a little bit about his personal life. Of course, we want to be a Pauline Christian. We want to be a Lord Jesus of Christ of Nazareth Christian. But I'm trying to make you think in terms of maturity. Can you see the difference between this picture and the picture of the crying baby a few slides back? Are the two pictures this far apart? That's We want to pull them apart. We We want to advance and be the Christian men that we should be. What about priorities in your life? Do you have spiritual things firmly first in your life? Maturity values quality over quantity, usually. Do you earn, learn, and save before spending? Now, I'm just throwing down a few of many priorities. Are righteous relationships true and honest in your life? Are they free from bitterness and strife? There's a whole study on priorities, many pages of the priorities that the Bible sets before us. How stable are you? This is a sign of maturity. Immaturity causes change and inconsistency. Maturity is stable and continues or perseveres. Are you the same every day and every year? I don't like the question either. Are you the same every day and every year? Can everyone else count on you? Can they count on you every day, every hour, every week? Lord, help us. Can others count on your spirit, words, and deeds? Jesus said in John 8, 31, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. That's a mature Christian. Do you know how to use time? Redeeming time is wisdom and maturity. Children have no concept of time. They just play until they fall over asleep in the sandbox, fall asleep in their plate of food at the supper table, or they're told to come in. Little little regard for time. I want to mention this to the retired and unemployed. Those disabled and those that are not working full-time jobs right now for whatever reason, you need to be extra careful. Less to do leads to wandering from your place. Remember, as a bird by wandering, so the curse causeless shall not come, but also you can leave your place. And every one of us needs to keep our place. And when there's less to do, there's more opportunity to wander from your place. And that is your set of duties that God's given you. Mature men are conscious of productivity. They're measuring their lives and their time. Remember, the, the, the thing here is time. The question is time. They're measuring how productive are they being. How productive are you being? And remember, since we're speaking of Christian maturity, we're speaking of Christian productivity. Growing in grace and knowledge, serving others, being fruitful, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, and so forth. Are you an adult? A baby? Or somewhere in between? As a Christian? 
other-oriented. Immaturity is definitely selfish. If you haven't grown up, then you're going to be selfish because children are infinitely and infantilely selfish. They have no bounds to what they will demand of a mother. It's the, it's the nature of not having grown up yet. It's definitely selfish. Maturity leads to thinking more about others. You're other-oriented instead of being self-oriented. Do you have Jesus, others, and you in the right order all the time? Christ first, others second, and yourself last. Or the three letters that spell the word joy. True happiness in life is putting God first, others second. That is the two great commandments. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And you put yourself last. Do you ha- Are you other-oriented? See, children are selfish. They're self-oriented. And it's by development and learning by the grace of God that we become other-oriented. And it's a huge change from that screaming little baby that wanted its way to a man who's willing to serve his country when he didn't really want to. He was tired and exhausted after all he had done in his life, if you read about the life of George Washington. Or are your plans, habits, and comfort your key? You want to be comfortable. You want to keep your schedule. You want to keep your plans and keep your habits. That's immature. Are you high maintenance? Children needs lots, children need lots of care and they demand it. Adults learn to care for themselves and then to give care to others. High maintenance equals needy for attention. Are you needy for attention or are you generous with attention? That's the opposite side of the equation. If you're needy, you're looking for attention from others. But if you're generous, you're giving it to others. That's maturity. You grow up and you serve others by showing attention to them instead of expecting, instead of expecting it yourself. Mature Christians want to give it, not seek it. Self-initiative. Children need to be told what to do. Often. Maturity leads a person to do what is needed. They're able to look ahead and see, this needs to be done, I'm going to do it. Teenagers notoriously miss the obvious. Well, you didn't tell me to do it. Well, I thought that by now, after 10, 15 years in this household, that you would know that when you walked past the table that had dirty dishes on it, you would pick those dirty dishes up and put them in the sink. They're notorious about saying, well, I wasn't told to. You know, and as adults, we realize that once we leave our parents' home, no one's going to tell us to do everything, and if we don't do it, it's not going to get done. That's part of maturity. If you need reminders in your life, why? Why aren't you already, why don't you already have your life mapped out as to what you should be doing and, and do it? And mature Christians do it already. Are you a baby Christian? There's an unhappy little girl. Are you a baby Christian? Am I a baby Christian? Christ-centered everything. Mature Christians are Christ-centered saints. Does your conversation, when you talk to someone, gravitate toward Christ, God's blessings, mercy, grace, salvation, forgiveness, heaven, the wonderful things that He's done for us, from witty inventions to the forgiveness of sins. Immature Christians are still in love with life. They are belly worshipers. This is the Bible term for them in Romans 16 and Philippians 3 by minding what's here on earth. We want to be Christ-centered in everything. That is Christian maturity. And, and we know, we know you can, you can answer yourself if you're honest in your own heart and mind. I could be and I should be more Christ-centered than I am. That's all that I'm asking for tonight is you to ask that question and to answer it honestly and to make an effort to change and improve and grow and advance and mature. Mature Christians love to forgive others. The Bible says that what the Lord looks for is a man who loves mercy, not just shows mercy begrudgingly, but loves mercy. Childish ones hold grudges for future use. It's amazing. Some people can hold on to things for a a long time, ready to spring it whenever they feel they can use it to hurt someone else. Mature friends never repeat a fault. The Bible tells us so. He that seeketh love will not do that. Back kissing and kindness 
Mark, real adults. We want to go around spreading good things about people. It's to build up their reputations in their absence. You know, some of these, this particular point I taught in Kuala Lumpur, the capital there of Malaysia, and was pointing out that how wonderfully a church could grow in everyone's esteem of each other if behind their backs we were always saying good things about one another. And mature Christians will do that. That's why David could write such a wonderful eulogy about King Saul who had tried to kill him for so many years. That's why the Apostle Paul could say when he was in prison, though there were men preaching simply to add a burden to his life, that though Christ, because Christ was being preached, he would rejoice in the matter. What is, which is maturity? You need to answer me here. Help me out because I, I can't remember. What is maturity? Talks about self or inquires about others? Sits in church like dead or gloriously active? Why would somebody come into church and sit like dead? Probably because they hit a, they had a red light in the way to church. The hot water heater went out. Let's get something big and huge. Hot water heater went out at home. So they come and sit like dead. That's immature. They're letting something small affect their worship of the great God of heaven. Long-term perspective or short-term view? Long-term. What's a child's long-term view? Five minutes. Two seconds, somebody just said. But uh, we want a long-term perspective of standing before the Lord and giving an account for our 70 or 80 years here on earth. Discouraged by adversity or unmoved? Unmoved. Unmoved. Temperate and moderate or undisciplined? What's mature? Temperate and moderate. Concerned about giving or concerned to get? Giving is the mature person. What a difference from a child. We take everything we can from our parents. We have no, we have no consciousness that we're taking from them. We have no consciousness about their expense or the amount of effort they've put into us. And then that role gets reversed and whoa, now we're a parent. We have a child and all of a sudden, I love my dad and I love my, I love my mom. They did so much for me. When I was down here as that little screaming brat, you know, I didn't appreciate what they were doing for me, but let me rise up and develop a little bit until I have my own children. Then I want to run to see my dad or call him and apologize to him for not being as grateful and thankful for all that he did for me. Because we have a changed perspective. Now we're doing the giving, and we realize that we should have been more thankful as children and teenagers. The own feelings are the key, or others' feelings more important? Others' feelings. This is huge. This is maturity. That you're always thinking circumspectly. The Bible uses the word circumspect for a 360 degree circle in the which you would be thinking about everyone's feelings that are involved in what you, the choices you make. Are you a tree of life to others or cumbering the ground? Someone that the Lord's going to cut down is some, is a tree that cumbers the ground. Are you envious like Saul or magnanimous like David? Magnanimous, generous, liberal, devising toward others around you. Do you let life happen or take life by the horns? What does the mature man do? Takes life by the horns instead of letting it gore him. As if it were a bull. Now there's a mature woman. I thought I'd throw her in here. She was uh, England's counterpart to our President Ronald Reagan. That's no little crying, screaming baby. She was Britain's iron woman. How can I grow up? I'm, I'm going to go through this for my benefit, and I hope that it benefits you as well. We want to identify faults by Scripture. James 1, 25, 1 through 25 right there, right here. James 1 says the Bible is a mirror. We look into it, we see our blemishes and our faults, and we should take remedial action to get rid of them. We should not put the mirror down and go our way and forget what manner of man we are. You don't do that in the morning. You don't do that before an important job interview. You look in that morning, you comb, comb, you look in that mirror, you comb your hair, you wash your face, you brush your teeth, you pick your nose, you cut your eyelashes, you do whatever you need to do to look presentable. But if you just put the mirror down, which is right here, God's Word, if you just put it down and go your way, and see, I'm holding that mirror up in front of you tonight. And I don't want you to walk out of here and say, well, that was so-so. 
I know he tried, but it didn't mean much to me. I want some others in this church that will look into this perfect law of liberty and continue therein and receive the blessing and the reward that God has for you. Because that passage right there has a reward for those that look in the mirror, see the faults, and make changes. Identify faults by truly measuring your reputation. Ask those who will honestly tell you or just measure them by how friendly and loving and esteeming and honoring they are of you. It will indicate whether you have offended people or not by your immaturity. Ask God to help you examine and search your life. Humbly confess your faults to God. You, you try to hide your faults, you will not prosper. Proverbs 28, 13. Get outside yourself and exalt duty to God. The things you owe God. That's maturity. Is looking at duty, not pleasure. Responsibilities, not fun. How can I grow up? Copy those with confirming honor. Those that are exalted in a church should be copied, should be followed, should be emulated. The apostle said in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 17, those that walk and live like I do should be copied. Learn and follow scripture in all aspects of life. Replace foolish friends with wise. Proverbs 13, 20 says a companion of fools will be destroyed. Replace foolishness with sobriety. Stop joking and start thanking. That's what Ephesians 5, 3 through 5 says. It's part of a sober approach to life. Get serious about every part of your life. Hate anything that distracts from your duties to the Lord and to others around you. Do not do anything unless it is meaningful. Do every meaningful thing with your might. Remember, growth is your responsibility. It's not anyone else's responsibility. We can't do it for you. We can lead you to the water, but you're going to have to drink it and grow up. How can you grow up? Take the time to review the sermons on the following page. And there are some links of things that I've taught in the past about growing in grace, growing up in Christ, boys to men, and other lessons that are there for us to be the Christians that we ought to be. I thank you for your kind attention on a Wednesday evening. Please stand with me.